Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back, everybody. It's 105 in Edmonton, hour number two of Oilers Now. Bob Stoffer joining you from the Windy City. Oilers Now is brought to you by our title sponsor, World of Spas, Edmonton's number one hot tub and swim spa dealer, the ideal place to start your daily vacation. Keep texting us. We're going to get to you on the tech, uh, the Ashley Fine Floors text line at 780-496-0063. Get the new floors you've always wanted with Ashley Fine Floors, 143rd Street, 111th Avenue, open Monday to Saturday. Uh, we are going to tell you Japanese Village for 50 years, Edmonton's destination for a celebration for the census reserved today at jvedmonton.ca. And uh, we are going to head off to the River Cree Resort and Casino hotline, the River Cree Resort and Casino excitement, bet on it, and go to our Oilers Now headliner today for Will Hawk Beef Jerky. It's the best you've ever tasted. Will Hawk Beef Jerky. That's Will Hawk, W-I-L-H-A-U-K. You can search for that today. And uh, they've got three locations in the Edmonton area to serve you. We welcome back to the show. Uh, he's had a personal battle to deal with over the last couple of years. Longtime Chicago Blackhawk player and uh, radio and television analyst and St. Albert product, Troy Murray, taking uh, time to join us here in Oilers Now. Troy, how you doing? Good, Bob. How are you? Good. How goes the battle? How you doing? How you feeling these days? You know, I'm, I'm doing okay. Um, uh, you know, it's it's just a daily grind. I'm still going through treatments and stuff, but um, you know, kind of happy to be back to doing some broadcasting this season. And uh, Patrick Sharp and I are switching off on uh, TV, doing half the games each, and then whatever I don't do on TV, I do on radio. So. A full schedule keeps me busy and uh, keeps me mind my mind off other other distractions. Yes. All right. Well, let's get to the Chicago Blackhawks. Um, it, it's been a wild last fifteen months for this organization. Uh, obviously, the situation in Kyle Beach that resulted in several people losing their jobs in the organization. Um, the the president John McDonough, I believe, to this day, is still not spoken on that front. Uh, there was a settlement reached, and the Hawks have attempted to move on, but they've also moved along some of their younger players. I'd be remiss without asking your thoughts. I thought the return on Hagel was a pretty good return. Got a couple number one picks from Tampa Bay. I was stunned by the Kirby Doc trade, and I know we've discussed that privately. Uh, the DeBrinket one a little bit more understandable because of you know where he was going to need to be qualified at. But what was your sort of overall assessment on the body of the work that started first with the Hagel move, and then with DeBrinket and Doc getting traded? Well, you know the the the, the issue, Bob, is is you know where was this team going to be in two years from now? Um, three years from now, they recognized that you know they, they with Stan Bowman trying to 
turn things around quickly uh, here in Chicago, uh, signing Seth Jones uh, in a deal, um, you know, trying to give this core group of guys that has dwindled down to basically two now, Kane and Taves, the opportunity to compete again. And, you know, signing uh, Mark andre Fleury to a deal last year, uh, hoping that, you know, he would add uh, a big piece to the puzzle. You did have Kirby Doc. You were hoping for him and his numbers to go up um, from where it was the season before um, to bring it a great fit with, you know, Patrick Kane. So there was a, a lot of good, strong possibilities on that team for a successful year. Um, it, it didn't go well. And um, as you mentioned, there were some things that happened within the organization here that uh, forced the Blackhawks to make some moves that they, you know, um, whether they wanted to do those or not, that's, you know, not here nor there, but they happened. Um, And when Kyle Davidson took over the new general manager from Stan Bowman, um, you know, he was given free reign to start making some decisions and some real tough decisions about where this team is and where it's going to head. And they felt that they really needed to uh, redevelop their, uh, you know, feeding program uh, to get prospects, to get draft picks. And that was the only way that they could see that they're going to turn things around here um, and start building a base. You know, the Kirby Doc thing, as you mentioned, Bob, you and I talked about it, um, a fresh start for Kirby, and we all hope it works out well for him in Montreal. But it was a decision that they wanted to move on from that. Um, Alice DeBrinkett, you know, didn't want to leave Chicago. He was very good fit with Patrick Kane. Um, but they also looked at where they want to be in a few years from now, where they want to have their cap flexibility Um you know, having Taves and Kane under contract for, you know, $10.5 million, you know, for a lot of years and then throwing in some other players, cash strapped, salary cap issues. Edmonton Oilers are going through it right now. You know, you've got two great players, but how do you build around it when you've got, you know, a lot of people eating up that uh, that cap? So they were looking for flexibility. They were looking to redo their pool. And um, they've got a long-term plan here. And they just said, you know what, we're going to break this down to the, to the the bare bones and we're going to start over. And that's why they made all these moves. Yeah, I guess if Doc had been 23 and hadn't gained traction, but the fact that he was 21, but I'm not here. Like, I don't, I, you know, I'm not around it all the time. I've always believed in a player. You know that. Uh, it's interesting. He's playing right wing. We're going to see him on Saturday. And he's he's playing with two pretty good players, as Suzuki and Caulfield. Uh, but he's had some yeah, real that, good that, moments. That's going to be yeah, that's going to be a real good line for a lot of years for for Montreal if it pans out. Suzuki's the real deal. He was the guy they got in the Pacioretty deal. Yeah, so that really looks good for Montreal now because Pacioretty was basically let go because salary cap issues in in Vegas and uh, you know Cole Caulfield under. Uh, Marty St. Louis has has really flourished. So, um, you know, we we hope Doc the best, and that's a a great young line. We just saw it last week. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I think he scored in a shootout as well. All right, well, let's switch focus uh, to the here and now. You mentioned the two guys that are still, uh, you know, they're UFAs at the end of this year, and there's actually four that might merit some interest out there. Uh, I'd say three, really, uh, because I think Domi, there there could be a quiet market for Domi. I don't know about Athanasio, maybe once bitten, twice shy in the Oilers' front. Um, What do you think is the minimum at, like, first of all, do you think Jonathan Taze and Pat Kane, do you think we're headed down an inevitable path where they both end up getting moved? Don't know. 
uh, honestly, Bob, I don't think that anybody really knows what those two guys are, are thinking right now. I know at the beginning of the year, Kyle Davidson laid it out and said, listen, this is the way it's going to work. And you guys either, you know, could be on board or we'll, we'll do whatever, you know, you feel best for, for your situation. We'll do what we need to do. Um, and both players says, you know, we're on board and so on and so forth. Um, we're at the quarter point of the season, you know, and for Patrick Kane, it's been a, it's been a tough struggle. He's only got three goals and they're trying to find somebody to, to play with him. You know, Taves has got eight goals, you know, now this season, uh, and they're going to put those two guys together to see if that works and helps Kane, you know, get some uh, offensive production. But when you look at those two guys, it, it has to come from them to go to the Blackhawks and say, we want out. Uh, we want an opportunity to win another cup. We want to go to a contender. Um, and, and I think they're just in that waiting game right now. Um, I, I can see that there's frustration between both of those two guys right now. The Hawks have lost seven in a row, and they've got a tough schedule coming up here. Oilers tonight, then they head into New York for the Rangers, the Islanders, and the Devils. So, you know, it's not going to be an easy road. It's not an easy road in any game in the NHL. But, you know, as you move forward and maybe the team doesn't have the success or um, that they were hoping to have, uh, it, it's up to these guys. But as it stands right now, I really don't think you've got any indication of where their minds are at and what their decisions will be. Um, I, I think we kind of relook at that maybe early February as you get closer to the trade deadline about you know where this team is at, how the season has gone personally for these two guys, um, and, and what options are there moving forward. At this stage in his career, is Jonathan Taze, and look, he's centering Patrick Kane. He's on the first line tonight. Is he still a legit second-line center, in your opinion? Uh, you didn't say first-line center. I didn't. Uh, I know he's got the eight goals. He's got a couple power play tappings, including one against Edmonton. Uh, you know, a, a big-time first-line center might be like the guy that they're playing against tonight. So, you know, I, I mean, it's like number one defenseman. Like when they went and got Seth Jones, yeah. he was a number one defenseman that they went and got. Uh, there might only be 15 guys like that. At this stage in Taze, I mean, Taze has spent the majority of his career as a first-line. I, like, I, I look at Edmonton's situation, and, and when they get Kane, uh, Evander Kane back and Yamamoto and those guys, they probably got enough offense. But the 65% in the face-off circle and the know-how and the leadership, you know, that there, there could yeah. be a fit there. And I'm just, I'm wondering, can he, do you have any concerns that he'd be able to take on second-line minutes as a center in the league? No, I, I think, and, and you're absolutely right. I, I don't think, um, and I don't want to be disrespectful to Jonathan because I, I love him as a player and a person, but I don't think he's the legit number one anymore that, you know, he was. And that's, that's a fact. Um but I do think in the right situation, um, he could really add uh, something to the equation. He, he's, you know, great defensively. He, as you mentioned, 65% one of the top face-off guys. And he's always been, a, you know, a great face-off guy. So you look at his, his strengths um, and going into a situation where he doesn't have to be the guy but can be, um, a face-off guy, a defensive guy, a shutdown type of player that you're not really looking to uh, create a lot of offense. Um, you know, maybe even 
on a, on a deep team. You know, you look at there's always rumors coming up in, in Colorado about the possibility yes. of Jonathan Taves going behind Nathan McKinnon. Would that be a good one to fit? I, I think it would. Um, you know, so the, so to your point, I, I do think that there is a market for Jonathan, um, not as number one center. Um, you know, and, and on a deep team, maybe the two three type of spot there where you can rely on his skill set that he has right now that it is still an asset and, and um, you know I think he would, he would really help out just with leadership uh, inside a locker room that maybe is a young core group that um, you know is, is looking to improve in a team that maybe hasn't won it before which Colorado obviously had yeah well it's interesting uh, actually we had a texter ask about Connor Murphy um, what's your thoughts on his performance so far this season you know what I, I love Connor Murphy. Um, you know he is who he is. He, he's a simple player as far as his his game. Um, he's not going to add a lot of offense. He's got a couple goals this season, but you know when defense shoot the puck in the offensive zone and there's traffic, sometimes it just it goes in. So, but that, that's not his forte. But he can play. Um, you know he can take up minutes and he can play in a defensive role on the penalty kill. Um, pretty reliable. You know, on a, on a good team, and I'm not saying Chicago is a bad team, but on a good team, he's your maybe four or five type of defenseman can slide him up a little bit, but yeah. very reliable, um, great shape, works hard, great attitude, great man. Yeah, long. He's got three more years left at four point four million. Troy Murray is the longtime Chicago Blackhawk player and uh, television radio analyst for the Hawks. Uh, I did mention Max Domi. I, I've always liked Max Domi. He had a 72-point season with the Canadians. How has he played for Chicago so far? You know, earlier in the season, Luke Richardson, who knew him from Montreal, and I think it was a big reason why Domi, um, when he had the opportunity to come to Chicago, because Luke was here, he, he jumped at it. Um, he, he's been good. And Luke Richardson said, you know, maybe the best hockey we've seen him play um, you know, during a streak that he was, um, uh, you know, really effective and playing extremely well. Um, you know, he's not a number one centerman, but he's played well. He's got five goals on the season. Um, you know, he, he's a he's a competitive guy. He, you know, he's an in-your-face type of player. Um, you know that there's toughness there, so there's always a little bit of uh, uneasiness when you're playing against a guy like Max Domi, which I think is still a big part of the game when you have that element uh, that is in with, with in your skill set. Um, I'd like what he's done this year. Um, you know, it's, it, is he playing in a tough position? Most of the time playing with Patrick Kane uh, and Anthony C was the top line in Chicago. You know, that's a tough ask for him, but he's performed well and um, I, I think the move to center permanently has helped him. He's, he's done a nice job. It gets him involved in all areas of the ice. And, um, you know, I, I've been happy with the way that he plays. And, again, he's a, he's a good character kid. He works hard. Um, he brings a lot of enthusiasm uh, to the game. And, and that's important to, to where this team is at right now here in Chicago. Well, it's interesting. Uh, one advantage the Hawks have, Troy, as you know, they got a ton of cap space coming off the books. And this is a player that guys want to play. Whatever happened, happened, you know, the, the situation two years ago, that's the Hawks are trying to move on, and they have a very compelling story to sell to potential free agents moving forward as well. Yeah, and that's the kind of the plan that Kyle Davidson wants. Um, if you look at what Detroit did um, when Steve Eiserman went there, broke it right down, got rid of everybody, got some draft picks, and, and now they're heading in the right direction. 
And this summer, when they wanted to make some uh, make a splash in free agency, picked up David Perron. Um, they had the cap space to do that. And that's kind of what Kyle Davidson wants to have in mind here. Build a really good young talent pool prospect. Um, Korczynski and Allen both playing out in the Western Hockey League. You know, really good prospects on on the blue line there, Uh, especially Korczynski, the way that uh, he can play. And, uh, you know, when you look at other places and, and compared to Chicago, you can sell the city along with the team. It's a great place. Players love to come here. It's a great city to be a part of. Um, and, and when you have that, you know, a good young core group of guys like a Marion Hosa did. Yeah, Bob, let's go back to when, when they signed Marion Hosa when, you know, this team was just starting to get good. They got they were bad. They were really bad. And they got Caves at the number one pick or the number three pick and then Kane as the number one pick. So you got to be bad to get those. Um, and and I, I don't mean to, you know, make fun of it, but you guys went through it for a lot of years with way longer than Chicago. But we, you know, what happened with Edmonton? They didn't have Seabrook and Keith. Seabrook and Keith were already in the Hawks organization before, before, right? They didn't have defensemen of that caliber. No, you're right. And and so now you, you, you know, you had those guys in your, in your prospect pool and they were young players that were just starting, you know, their NHL careers, but they were going to be good. Then you had two cornerstones, yeah, in two consecutive drafts, and two good drafts, uh, I should remind everybody, because sometimes it's, it's not uh, that easy to pick who's going to, you know, be be the player. And you guys have gone through a couple picks that have been interesting, but maybe the you know undisputed type of first pick in the draft, even though it wasn't a good draft. But when when you look at this, you get these young players into this, you know, your 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 system. And all of a sudden, players kind of look and say, well, maybe this is a good place to play, and I want to be a part of this. And with the cap space available, you can make those decisions if you're moving forward, and that's one of your options. So I like the path where this team is going. They will have – if you look at their, their contract situation, you brought up Connor Murphy, but really, you know, they're one-year, two-year deal. So after two years, after this year – um, you know, the way the team is heading, it, you're probably going to be looking to move some of these guys at the trade deadline and then bringing in players again that are going to be short-term players until they prove that, you know, they can be a part of the, the future here. So you're going to deal with this for a couple of years, um, but the cap space is something that they, they really are excited about moving forward, um, being able to take some contracts that other teams can't and building your draft pool because of, you know, your cap space that's available. Troy, you got a lot of people cheering for you. Uh, Val from the high desert of northeast Colorado says, please pass along my wishes to Troy. I love listening to him and John. Great stuff. Keep fighting, and we'll see you tonight. Sounds good, Bob. I always enjoy coming on the show. Thanks kindly. You bet. It is 124. When we return on Oilers now, Cam Moon in conversation with Oilers forward Tyler Benson. All right, a quick text on the Ashley Fine Floors text line. Uh, it comes from Ryan. He says, Bob, if you can't get Patrick Kane or, or uh, Jonathan Taze, would you be open to exploring Max Domi? Brings an edge, brings skill. Thoughts? Yes. <laughs> I think Brendan feels the same way. Uh, three million bucks. The owners have a player at three million bucks. Yes, I would be open to just, uh, looking at uh, Max Domi. Without further ado, he draws back in the lineup tonight. Here is Cam Moon in conversation with Tyler Benson. 
Tyler, uh, first of all, tell me uh, about getting back. Like, uh, how excited are you to to get back in the lineup here? Very excited. It feels like it's it's been a long time since since my last game here uh, at this level. So I'm excited to play. It was a long process to get back healthy and up to speed and up to shape, back in shape again. But no, I feel like I've I've prepared well over these these past eight weeks. I guess to get get ready for it again, and I feel like I'm ready to go tonight. Tell me a bit about that process. What went into it? Uh, the first few weeks were slow. I mean, I wasn't allowed to do much. I was, I was in a little bit of pain, so it took a little bit to get back in. But once you, once I was able to get back into the gym, uh, we were training and getting, getting the knee back to healthy. And then once uh, once I was able to kind of go full in the gym, we were training pretty hard to make sure that my cardio, my fitness levels are, are up to speed and back into game shape. I mean, that, that's part of it, though, being a professional hockey player. Being a hockey player, there's going to be there's going to be injuries there. You're going to go through some ups and downs. Uh, uh, you've been through it before. Uh, has that helped in any way, shape, or form that you've you've gone through this? I think I think it has. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, yeah, it helps just mentally, just knowing you've been through it, uh, knowing things are going to get better. Uh, you know how to prepare, um, but uh, and you know you just have to be patient with it too. Uh, you can't rush things. You don't want to don't want to delay things even more than they, they should be. So I think being through it before and uh, having gone through these kind of things before, it's helped through this process. And I think uh, I'm ready to go. How about that game on Monday? How was that? <laughs> How was that to watch? Yeah, yeah no, it was, it was pretty incredible. I mean, yeah. the, the past few games, it looks like they've had some some pretty crazy comebacks. And to, to be able to get a few wins in a row there, I think that's big, and we want to continue that into tonight. You get to see James Hamblin make his NHL debut, a guy that uh, you know you played Bantam with, Southside Athletic Club. Stuart Skinner was on that team. I, I was looking at that team. That was a pretty good club. I mean, Matt Berlin was, was your other netminder on that club. He's with the U of A Bears now. Yeah. Uh, David Quenville, who had a, an incredible career in the Western League in Medicine Hat, now playing in Europe. Uh, how special was it to see uh, James get in there? Yeah, no, pretty special. I mean, uh, it's pretty crazy to see three guys from the same minor hockey club, let alone, uh, I mean, to be in the NHL is one thing, but to be on the same team and playing together is, is a pretty cool moment, and uh, we're excited, and uh, no, uh, to see James make it, uh, it's been pretty cool. All right, well, thanks Here's for this. Good luck tonight. All right, thank you. That's Cam Moon in conversation with Tyler Benson. Let's go off to a global news weather traffic update, I believe, with Eileen Bell. And when we come back, we will talk to David Staples from the Cult of Hockey.